it's going to be done when it's done. You just have to keep going. And the only reason we're never there yet is because we decide to stop trying. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I'm gonna keep trying. Now, we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. And of course, you can always hit stop or pause. We do hope you listen because there's so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at suicide noted and if you are feeling especially generous in addition to listening and sharing it with your friends or other people who may need to hear it if you listen on apple rating reviewing or subscribing or any combination of those really does help it helps people find this podcast people that really may need to hear it also if you want to make a financial contribution we've got a patreon page i'll put that information in the show notes that always helps too Either way, whatever you choose to do, thank you. Today, I am talking with Erin. And I should tell you, we did have some issues with our microphones, so my part of this conversation sounds a little weird, but Erin sounds great. Erin lives in Ontario, Canada, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Erin, you are in, uh, in Toronto, is that right? I'm in Toronto, yep. All right. Nice city. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love it here. Yeah. I uh, People will not see you because it's a podcast, but uh, I assume it's okay to let people know you have uh, several really cool tattoos. I do. There might be a story there. Yeah, totally. Uh, and you reached out and we're connecting. Podcast is about suicide. So let's dive in. Sure. If it's okay. And I'll ask you, how many attempts do you have? Uh, I would say two. I had this recent realization, like the attempt is always something, I don't know if other people find this, but I carried around in my back pocket. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, it's like this big thing and it's very hard to connect with others over. It's shameful to talk about, makes other people very uncomfortable. And uh, I was something I just kind of swept under the rug, but I held on to, I don't know, there's something, this is for something. So I had this very recent realization, like a few days before I joined the group, where I have always been reflecting on this first attempt, and it was a drug overdose. I struggled with a drug addiction most of my life since I was 14. I mean, I started using drugs when I was 14. It seemed to turn into addiction as I got older, but I like, really, I was using drugs my whole life. I was in an unhealthy relationship with, you know, my ex, with myself. I was using drugs. I had had a daughter when I was 25, very unprepared. I had tons and tons of support, tons of love. 
but so much of my own healing was molested by a teacher when I was young. Like so many of that stuff, I just kind of put to the side Mm. and I think it all just kind of caught up with me. So, um, I was in India. I had this drug overdose. I was in a fight with my ex and I was already high. You know, I had done cocaine. I had bought some heroin like the day before, not expecting to do it, but just thinking it gave me some sense of power to have it because I knew I shouldn't. Like I knew it's like, that was the one thing that you don't ever do. And we were in this big fight. I just needed some space to think. And I went into this guest room and I was sitting on the bed. And I remember thinking to myself, all of a sudden, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I recalled this just the other day. This was my thing. I was suddenly thinking about, and I thought, you know, that wasn't a drug overdose. Like, yes, it was, but that was actually like, I was done. I really had this kind of hit where I was like, well, that was actually an attempt, attempt of suicide. You're done cocaine. You're with your ex. Obviously not then. He was not your ex, presumably. So, so I just want to be clear. You bought Mm -hmm. the heroin and then you sat down and you decided you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And you might not have an answer to some of these questions, but was there something about that day or that moment that was different than the day before or the moment before where you're like, no, this is, I'm done. I just felt so frustrated inside and not able to get out from under myself, really. Mm -hmm. I would like to say my life situation, but, you know, I take full responsibility for everything that I did. I just felt so tired of the struggle. I think that's what it was. Like, I really felt like I had been struggling for quite a few months and years, really. I just suddenly felt like exhausted by it. The weight of the pain. It's funny because I have a daughter and so much of my inability, I think, to actually see this as a suicide was I just wasn't ready. Like, I just could not even face that that was maybe what I had done. I just felt so much shame and guilt like from it, that it was just overwhelming, you know? And I think maybe now I'm at the point where I'm ready to accept that and see it and work through it. It was like in that moment, it's like I had amnesia. I did not remember I had a family, didn't remember I had a daughter. It was like in that moment, I became completely disconnected to everything. And I just felt completely alone. So alone that it's like, I didn't even remember that I had anybody. As I reflected on it, it was very, very odd. Like a very mm. odd place. Yeah, I took the heroin. Okay, so Not- once you make that decision, <clears throat> that's what compels you to take the heroin. Yeah. You thinking that that would be, you would die. Not that I would die, but I just, I just wouldn't be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where I thought I would be. I just needed to leave my life, mm-hmm. which pretty much is that. And I took the heroin and I don't really remember much after that. You know, I remember going out and standing on the deck of our little guest house we were. And the next thing I know, I woke up in the hospital. And I remember kind of, because I couldn't open my eyes, I was sedated. Coming out of a coma, I remember thinking to myself, shit, like, what the fuck did you just do? Way to go, Aaron, you know? And then it was the weight of that. So that was hard. (laughs) Did you ever find out, presumably, what happened? So you took it and you blacked out something. You You were out. What? How'd you get to the hospital? So apparently I kind of got super nauseous and I said, I want to go to bed. We went to bed. Apparently I wanted to sleep in that guest room. And my ex was like, no, no, I want you to sleep in the bed with me. Thank God. That was pretty much reason I am alive. 
he said he woke up at 3 a.m. to the sound of a bad sound, which was my lung collapsing. Wow. And he's uh, had some nursing training. So he said my lips were blue, color was not good, wrapped me up in a blanket. And thankfully, because we were in like a small town in India, the people that owned the guest house drove me to the hospital, the hospital, mm-hmm. <laughs> small hospital. And my they were doing CPR on me. And when I got there, they checked my vitals for two minutes and there was nothing. And the doctor was like, she's gone, you know? Mm. And he said, he's like, you get those paddles or like, I will get them. And the guy was like, okay, fine. And they gave me four paddles and a shot of adrenaline and my heart started it again. So you were dead? So, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was gone. Yeah. So now it's, I know it's been 10 years, but how do you process that? Like you were actually dead. You know what? To be honest, like I, I haven't. I think that's one of the reasons I carried it. Like I, I just, I don't even know what to do with that. It's such a unique experience, you know, like I was, I saw the tunnel and I, I'm not a religious person at all, but I just remember being in this white space and mm-hmm. the woman who owned the guest house was very close with me. Like we had a real bond from the beginning of Indian woman. I wasn't myself. I was just in this empty, hollow, lonely place. Mm-hmm seeing this light. And all of a sudden it was like, there was this smokiness on the side and her head popped through the smoke. Really? And she said to me, Aaron, I turned and looked at her and I said, Rupa, what's happened? And she said, you're very sick. And then that was it. That's all I remember. And next thing I woke up and apparently the doctor said that because the shot of adrenaline, like when I got to the hospital, it must've fully kicked in. And I sat straight up in bed, had this conversation with her and then fell back down into a coma. All right, so the, that conversation was real. Yeah, totally real. It was like then, she like pulled me back. And then you go into a coma for how long? Six hours. And when you get out of the coma and you have sort of your wits about you at some point, are you, um, mm-hmm. I always ask these questions. Yeah. Often, right? You know, like, what's it like to want to die and not be dead? Confusing. Yeah. Humiliating. Mm. To be found out, you know. Suddenly, all of it is on the table. So much shame and guilt for what I would have put my daughter through. You know, I would have flashbacks of, you know, her sitting in bed. Well, flash forwards, I guess, Mm. crying for me and me not being there. You know, like I just had, like, it almost made me feel nauseous to be able to even sit and think about it. And just disgust with myself that that would have been something that I considered doing. But there's no love. No, no. And no anger that I wasn't dead. Because I I mean, I do believe like, and this is my own personal belief, but mm-hmm. like if I woke up, I'm supposed to wake up. So, yeah. <laughs> and I had to believe based on all of the things that I learned about the circumstances that happened while I was out of it, that it all was like, it was all uh, miraculous in my mind. Like there was a lot of things that needed to happen in order for me to wake up in that hospital pieces and people. And it's like, okay, maybe I wanted to go, but my body didn't, my heart wanted to start. I wasn't mad, but I was so, so incredibly embarrassed and guilty. It was just like, yeah. Insane. All all the stuff that, that you were dealing with before that happened, you're still dealing with. It's been my biggest work for sure. Yeah, it doesn't get undone now that you get through that. You're still mm-hmm. going through. That's yeah. been the last 10 years for you of sort of 
Well, you would think that would scare me straight, but like mm -hmm. I said, the weight of the emotion and the, the guilt and the shame, I could not even look at. So I fell harder into my addiction mm -hmm. after that. Okay. Are you, are you in India still or are you back? No, we had come back to, to Canada. That okay. just kind of got worse. Now, not only did I have all of the childhood trauma and unresolved stuff, now I also yeah. had this, you know, suicide attempt piece to process. For five years, it was just got worse and worse and worse. And then when I was 36, I, I guess I had a really bad night of using drugs. You know, I was using them when my daughter was there, which mm -hmm. was again, like it's, it's all just so much, so much freaking guilt. It's like, mm -hmm. it's even just hard to like admit to, you know, I don't remember the night, like I was drinking and like, I was just out of it. And in the morning, all of a sudden, I remember she shook me awake in this really aggressive, like kind of worried frantic sort of state. And at this time she was 10, I guess I got up and I was like, what's your problem? Like, I was just very confused as to why she was so, she seemed so upset by however it is that she found me in my bed. Um, and I dropped her off at school. I came back, I got a call cause I was kind of in an out, outreach program, like for trying to sort myself out without going into full rehab. Yeah. And, uh, they said that they had, gotten the information, child services, they were going to be coming by. And I thought my ex is going to find out. Everybody's going to find out. Like that was kind of my bottom. I hit, I thought that's it. They're going to take my daughter, you know? So I called rehab and I threw a bunch of crap in my bag and I was off to rehab for two months. But first thing I had to go to a detox. And I remember going in the bathroom with this bag of stuff, which I kind of straightened out after 24 hours. And I didn't know what I packed and I pulled out these two papers and I started reading it. And it was a suicide note to my daughter. I must've written the evening before in my, I don't know, cause I wasn't even there. You know, I was just, mm. I was just like, same thing. And, and it, it was like, so like I read it and it was, it was like, I didn't even know who had written that, you know, it was just like written by this other version of myself that was obviously in so much pain that it's like, I, I couldn't even see outside of my own into what other people would experience if I would do that, like my daughter, you know? And I remember seeing that and like feeling a shock of vibration go through my body that that was something I had been considering 24 hours ago. And the reason she probably woke me up in such a frantic state is I probably did not look good. I'm got to assume maybe I looked dead to her. You know, so I remember getting that paper and I crumpled it up and threw it in the garbage. And I was like, this is fucking done. Like this, this is done. I need to get my shit together, you know? And that was it. Two months I went to rehab, turned over every dusty stone, owned all of it, looked at all of it and really put 200% into rebuilding this relationship with my daughter. And now five years later, I am a health and life coach my daughter and I are so strong. Mm. She is my biggest fan. She, she's just amazing. I just, I'm so proud of her. I just adore her. And, you know, I'm in a really healthy relationship getting married. And it's like, my life is a completely like a complete 180. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but that, that suicide letter I wrote, that was like, yeah, like it just always seemed like there was one more thing that was the kick in the pants I needed. And that second possibility of an attempt that might have happened was 
I don't even, maybe I did attempt it. Maybe that's why I looked so dead to her. I don't really know, but I know I read the letter and like a dream, remember writing it. So yeah. How many people other than your daughter, your ex, the Indian woman whose name I forget, and Mm -hmm. medical professionals know about either of those attempts? The first one, everybody, pretty much, because, you know, it came out because I was a mess, obviously, when I got back, like my ex was a mess, like there was obviously something very bad that had happened. So just came clean about it. And the second one, my one friend of mine and my fiance know about that letter, never told anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm asking because I'm always curious how people respond when they learn. Mm. You attempted suicide. And, uh, you know, do you have any memories of people how they responded to you, how they engaged with you? You know, it's funny when I, I mean, to me, suicide, like I said at the beginning, it's like a complete disconnect yeah. from others and from myself. And I remember the, the people that I did tell when I would sit with them and we would have the conversation is when, you, when I would say it, I felt them disconnect. Like yeah. I felt this severe discomfort. It's like a, what am I supposed to say to that? What is the right thing to say? Like, So then you feel even more alone in telling people. So I think I got to the point where I just stopped. Like, it's not something I ever talked about or talk about. I just put it in my back pocket, like I said, and I thought this is going to be useful someday, sometime, somewhere. I'll I'll just wait and see where that's supposed to go, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, with this kind of recent realization I had, I thought, Maybe now is the time. Maybe now this is supposed to crack open for a reason. So I'm here and and open to sharing. Still uncomfortably, but. (laughs) And I would imagine when you think about, I mean, this podcast doesn't have a huge reach, but there are are listeners and you never know who's listening. Yeah, the right listeners. Yeah, I would imagine the right listeners, exactly. I would imagine there might be party that's thinking, going all in on the health and relationship coaching, right? Mm -hmm. They can't know about that. They're not going to hire me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really struggle with how much vulnerability should I have with my clients, you know? Right. Yeah. I remember saying something to my partner now about my bio on my site. I was like, you know, what should I go into? And I mentioned some things and he's like, I don't know. Do you think people are going to want to hire a coach that's like a recovered drug addict? It's like, oh, maybe not. I, you know, it's like very hard to say. And I mean, I've never told any of my clients that I attempted suicide, No, yeah. but uh, I've mentioned casually sort of being in rehabs, struggling with a drug addiction, but um, always more in passing versus this is my story. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of suss it out as I go. Like if they say something that I feel connected to that, I think my story, a piece, a small portion of my story expertly <laughs> chosen on my part right. might help. Yeah. I just find it makes so many people so uncomfortable. Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a thing you hear? (laughs) Everybody I spoke to, and there are some people I talked to who still plan to kill themselves. Yeah. Wow. Not a lot, but some of them have this sort of awareness of like 50, 50, I'll be real about it, you know, and other people are presumably in the clear, you know, not to suggest that lives are easy, but you know, they're, they're not that, that, that's not a thing. But most people, I think most of them are, 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 from what they've shared, are not advertising it or getting a tattoo saying, yeah, I had to kill myself, right? 
Yeah, 2010 attempt. <laughs> yeah, whatever your hashtag is. I think, uh, you know, as you say that, the drug addict of me wanted to kill herself. Mm. The me now, the recovered me, has no interest. You Not even on my radar, you know. Don't think about it. Don't ideate. No, don't. no. I see that as uh, something my previous self did. And because I didn't know how to solve my own pain, you know. And it's really been through coaching, like rehab for sure. But along my journey of healing, I met a few key people that, like we said, like they saw me uh-huh. beyond where I was. And they were like, of course, you're going to get through this. Like they were so confident. I think I borrowed some of that from them until I had enough of my own. And while those few people, I am like, I just feel so grateful for, like they literally saved my life, you know? Really? Do they know? That? Yeah, I've told them. Yeah, they want to brush it off, right? It's like, oh, you've done all the work, but it's like, right. no, I. <laughs> but that's like a great coach, right? <sighs> yeah, yeah, I know. Those are models for me too in coaching work, where it's like they don't realize the impact, or perhaps they do, but they're not taking no credit for it. Those yeah. are the coaches I love, not a lot of the coaches, and I'm sure you have come across many in the <laughs> online space who are just all about how amazing they are. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe this experience that I had, it's very humbling. Yeah. Very, very, very humbling. And uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing I find. It always keeps keeps me in my place, almost in a way. Did you have to quit drugs and alcohol? I drink. Yeah. Now, I don't take drugs. But um, I had to really decide, like, what I wanted my version of recovery to look like. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I didn't feel like I fit the mold. Sure. I wanted to do it my own way, which my, you know, my rehab was very against, (laughs) but I've, um, I'm stubborn and I knew I just wanted to get back to the real me, like who I was really. And that's somebody that is unencumbered by rules. And I don't like to put myself in a box and I don't want to identify with being an addict either. I don't even want to be a recovered addict. Like I'm just not an addict. I'm just Aaron. I'm just Aaron Mm -hmm. now. And that same thing. That's a personal choice. I know that definitely doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. You know, but uh, I just live my life now and I'm just here now. You're not there. You're not there and don't want to die. What was your foray, I suppose, not the best word, <laughs> into coaching? Oh, well, I was a chef my whole life, <clears throat> working in kitchens, also not the healthiest environment. <laughs> After rehab, I wanted to just keep in cooking but not working in kitchen. So I started doing personal chefing. Mm-hmm. I found that I really loved the connection with the people that I cook for. And I started looking into maybe doing, cause I knew I'm like, I can't do this forever. Like it's very, very tiring. It's very hard on the body. And mm-hmm. I always wanted to use my brain more than I felt like I was. I decided I would maybe go into nutrition coaching, you know, helping people with meal plans and stuff like that. Sure. And uh, so I found a nutrition health coaching program that offered a dual certificate with life coaching. And I found when I started doing it, the life coaching was like more my jam. I was more interested in how the brain works and, you know, rewiring your mind and, uh, you know, shame and how to process heavy, heavy emotions. Uh, I just kind of like took a left turn and dove deeply into that world. And I love it. It's like my freaking dream job. I just, I'm just so... I'm so happy. Yeah. And you made it happen. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. With lots of support. Yeah. That's great. Hmm. 
I told you that one of the questions I asked most people that I talked to is, and I think I know your answer, but I'll still ask any chance that you think you'll be back in that space of, uh, not of writing a note and disappearing. No, no, for sure. Not. I think my attempt is, it was my solution to a problem that I had, you know, and same thing with the drugs. The drugs were just a solution to these problems that I had and, you know, going through rehab and really since I came to coaching, I came to coaching three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have all these new solutions Yeah, and they work way better. <laughs> I don't need those solutions anymore. They're old <laughs> and they didn't work. They didn't work well. Then. They just made it worse. They just made it worse. The pain. Drugs are a beast, man. Yeah, they are. It still seems very fresh. Yeah. Like five years ago, you know, just like a, just a hand of fingers. Maybe the further I get away from it, I'll have this belief that it's more appropriate to talk about. Maybe it freaks myself out when I talk about it because I know it's only five years ago. Like, who knows what other people are thinking? It refreshes my mind and that makes me feel uncomfortable. Sure. But uh, I think I maybe just need a bit more space in between that second attempt and now or wherever my wherever I currently would be to, in order to feel not so vulnerable by it. But may, I don't know, maybe talking about it now and whatever reason this is all coming up, maybe that's a part of it, you know? Maybe it's where it is is where it'll stay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah totally. Do the people in your life, do they treat you differently now? Post kid gloves or whatever that looks like? Mm. That's a common thing, I, I wonder. No, I would say that those relationships are just stronger because of mm-hmm. what I went through. And even if, like, let's say they don't know the gruesome details of it, they know the lessons that I've taken from it. Like they're aware of what I learned and grew from it mm-hmm. without really needing to know the details. Like to sit down and talk about the story, they know, oh, that bad thing happened and now this is how she is. And they mm-hmm. kind of appreciate appreciate that about me. And uh, yeah, I just find my, and especially lately as my, cause like I was saying to you, like, as I've been coaching, the more wa- my walls start to come down just from having to do my own self work so that I can show up as the best coach that I am in order for that. Other people's like my clients seem to be getting more results. I am also bringing up my stuff and getting kind of more results. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, it's all coming to the surface kind of as it's supposed to. And I find my relationships that I'm having are growing so much more deeper. Like if I felt alone before, I definitely do not feel alone now. I feel extremely connected to who I am and proud and, you know, appreciative of the type of person that I am in order to be able to get to this place. And also the connections I have with the friends that I do, my tight circle and my mom and my daughter, especially Mm -hmm. are like rock solid, Mm. rock solid. So that's the other thing. Like if I, if I attempted because of disconnection and a sense of aloneness, like I don't have that at all anymore. I would always have someone to turn to, to talk to someone that I could be really vulnerable with where I'm at. If I couldn't sort it out on my own, Mm -hmm. I can feel pretty, pretty confident in that. I think that that's, I've deduced after doing this for 11 months, that's the thing that makes the difference more than oh, yeah? one thing is that you have a, at least one or two people in your life who you really can connect to, lean on, give and yeah. get. You can't yeah. do it alone. I'm not preaching. 
I'm, this is just my take on things. Like you do it alone, you're 90% fucked. Yeah. Period. Yeah, totally agree. Not my language, of course, but it's my podcast. So I can use the F-bombs. Um, <laughs> no, it's kind of like you're the sick helping the wounded, you know, when you're trying to help yourself. It's like, that's kind of how it felt. And that was the thing is I was so fiercely independent mm-hmm. growing up, just always thought I could, I could solve my own problems, but they were problems created by other people, of course, because I was in this like victim-y state, but I never wanted to let on that anything was wrong. And I think, like you mentioned, a lot of my tattoos is, is like armor. It's like a protection because I'm small and kind of made me seem a bit more intimidating. Like, so I never wanted to admit what was really going on underneath. And I was very good at it. I got away with drug addiction for a long time because yeah. of that. Really getting to the point where I cannot sort this, you know, stuff out. Like I need, I need help and trusting that other people want to help me authentically invested in wanting to help me, not just like, oh, okay, I guess, right? Like I'm burdening somebody like, which I I kind of felt before. I didn't want to cause anybody any trouble, you know, in a way, stress anyone out. But um, when I got to a point where I realized, no, like people, people love you and want to support you and help you need to let them because I wasn't doing it on my own. That's for sure. Mm. You know? What else helps you uh, day to day? Are you, I'm curious, are you a meditator? Are you, <laughs> what are the little things that maybe if someone hears this, yeah, they've probably heard it before, but what yeah. are some of the things that help you uh, get through your days and you feel good, feel okay at least? First thing I would say is not to take myself too seriously. Mm-hmm. I try to really, I mean, I have a daughter, like a kid, maybe that makes it a bit easier to be silly and playful and I try to be goofy with her, try to act silly and not care, like not be worried about what she would think just Mm -hmm. to kind of show her and show myself that like nothing is that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I try to have that bit of an attitude about it. life. Um, I exercise like I exercise four to five times a week and I get outside, try to get outside every day for sure. But I find the exercise is really like I can feel if after three, four days I haven't done anything, I really I start to feel it yeah. in my brain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh staying active is probably at the top of my list of self-care stuff. You know, something I really learned like in in rehab was like it's three pillars. It's sleeping, eating, and getting some activity. And I never really <laughs> understood the uh, importance of those. Yeah. Getting a proper sleep, you know, trying to stay on a sleep schedule, eating three meals a day, like three healthy meals a day, drinking water and exercising. Like if I don't have those then, and I'm not feeling well, then really like there's nothing to do except go back to those and then reassess, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I'm having an overly emotional day or I don't know, just feeling kind of down, I'm always like, you know, how did I sleep? Have I exercised? Do I need a drink? When did I last eat? Like I check in all those things all the time and it's, uh, it's very grounding yeah. to kind of keep those at the forefront. Like they're measurable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not like, you know, what, what am I thinking? It's tricky, but did I eat yeah. food this morning that, you know, isn't yeah. Yeah. And I, I love to be social. Like I love my alone time for sure, but I love hanging out with friends. I love having fun. 
you know, I love to dance, love to uh, spend lots of time outside, go to festivals and be in nature, dance, and just really always keep my youthfulness in mind. Like those days of being a kid when everything was easy and for me, easy and free and there was no worries. And I try to tap into that kind of inner child energy, like as often as I can. <laughs> wow. Like if I'm having fun, it's all good. And if it's not fun, then I say to myself, I need to just do something else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't mean fun like, woo, but it's like right. even, you know, being an entrepreneur is difficult. Yeah. It comes with a lot of self-doubt and some shame, yeah. et cetera, but still fun because I'm building my business. So and no, no, I mean, there's just so much to it that I think that mindset is so important. Because yeah. you can so easily get burnt out or overwhelmed, confused, etc. I mean, it's just, there's a lot. So mm-hmm. kudos to you for trying to do it. It sounds like you enjoy it mostly. Yeah. And it's the right thing for you to be doing. Like it just is. When you find Thank it you. pretty sweet, you're like, yep, yeah, no. It was yeah, just- I try to keep things simple now. But if I had said that to you or some, like, someone you knew really well said that to you 10 years ago, it doesn't, it doesn't land that. No, totally. It's simple. It's like, great. That platitude just doesn't work. So yeah. when you're ready, you're ready. And when you're not, though, it's yeah. really tricky, right? Yes. And I think about people listening to this podcast, like, what would you, and I asked this question, but I'm kind of getting away from it a little bit. Like, what would you tell people or share with people who are listening? And I think, yeah, great. But does it make a difference, really? If you're ready to hear something, you're ready. If you're not, though, it's just rhetoric. Yeah. I don't have, I haven't figured out uh, what to do with those lines of questions I have, but I guess I feel like when people hear this, they'll hear what they need to hear. Yeah. It'll stick. What needs to stick will stick, you know? Yes. Yes, totally. I would say the exact same thing as you just said. Like I've talked about it with, you know, friends who've struggled with addiction and I say like, it's going to be done when it's done. And until then you just have to keep trying. Like that's my biggest kind of tenant with my coaching and my mission is just to try to support people to believe in themselves and to keep going. Yeah. Like you just have to keep going. And like the only reason we're never there yet is because we decide to stop trying. And I was somebody that I just kept going. I was just like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? That was really the thing that made the biggest difference for me to get through that is a willingness, which you know, that's, that can be a hard thing with, I think people that get in a depressed place. I mean, where I was, I didn't want to go anymore. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to keep going. Having somebody that saw me beyond where I was, was huge to find somebody who could see me outside of myself, Mm -hmm. see these things about myself that I was convinced were not a thing. Like I trusted him. I was like, well, if my counselor thinks these things and he's awesome, I kind of just had to borrow his belief for a while and keep going. Like I said, you know, he would say that to me, like, you just keep trying, keep trying. So I just kind of kept that, kept that in my mind. And you're here. Mm-hmm. What's the name yeah. of your coaching business? Just Aaron Martin coaching. And behind Aaron, uh, she's a lovely little office. I think it's an office. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's Feng Shui, but it's very chill. <laughs> Uh, nice photo, nice picture, and uh, there's a there's a framed something or other. It says, "Peace of mind comes piece by piece." My daughter painted it for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. one step at a time. You know, seems so big. I think that was the other thing about recovery. 
seems so large. It's like, can't even imagine starting or trying to do just one small thing at a time and understand that, you know, it's just little bites on the way. It helps to bring me a sense of um, patience and like calm Mm -hmm. when the next journey seems just a little bit too big to like wrap my head around, you know? So much truth there. And Mm -hmm. a really tough one to get. I know. And for building a business, this is, whether it's a bit, doesn't need to be a business, even a hobby every day or whenever it is a little bit and it adds up. Yeah. It adds up. So easy to sort of say, I've got to bite off this big thing right now. And with that, you kind of never get anything done. Totally. A little bit, little bit, little bit. It doesn't take that long. All of a sudden you're like, okay, there's some change going on here. Kind of cool. Yeah, you get a bit of momentum and all of a sudden it's like, how the hell did I get here? (laughs) Thank you so much for joining, for talking and sharing so openly. And I am glad, check out this corny uh, analogy I'm about to (laughs) I am glad that uh, this little piece you have chosen to share with me and whoever hears this podcast. So thank you for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for holding space and allowing me to process even more as we're speaking. So I really appreciate yeah. it. An honor. Yeah. My big reason I came to coaching is just to help people feel less alone. Erin, oh my God. That was really my thing. Wait, did you hear me say that? No. That's mine. That's mine. You just took mine. No, get out of here. My thing is all about, even with story stuff, it's about, (laughs) yeah, cool. Your story can be entertaining. That's great. All that matters. All we're doing here is helping people or creating a space for people to feel less shitty. That's part of mine and less alone. Those are my two. Less shitty, less alone. If you've done that, we're good. good. We've accomplished what we want. And and, and in the process, (laughs) real beautiful symbiosis is that when that happens for me, I feel less shitty and less alone. Yeah. And so it's like, well, why would I not do that? Of course we would do that. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad that, that, that that's, <laughs> that's your MO because <laughs> yeah. you can't fuck it up. I mean, sure, you're, you you might have not have great branding. I don't know. Discovery calls might not be. <laughs> I would do discovery calls, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, whatever, the, like all that stuff. But if you're, that's really your, uh, I mean, you don't need to hear this from me, but it just, if that's your MO, man. Yeah, I know. That's, I felt alone for so much of my life I've reflected many times on why and lots of reasons but I just always had this deep sense of loneliness yeah you know and one of the reasons like I used to act out for attention when I was young because I just always was trying to fill this need right and I don't know why like I don't really know why so much but uh coming through the work and like being on this other side of it I really feel for people that feel like that like I just yeah. like I fucking know that feeling and man look at where it leads to leads to trying to kill yourself if I can help people feel less alone for an hour a week let's do it I, I don't I don't blow smoke but I am almost sure they know that you feel that way it shows yeah. really usually shows with people and it usually shows when they don't feel that way I hope you never lose that even when you blow up and become the famous <laughs> I'm Eric with the podcast and mass following. Don't forget. No, never, never. I got that humble, humble pie in my back pocket. So it's good. Then thank you again, and I hope your day is. Yeah, so much. Thank you so much, so much. My Appreciate right. you. Have a good day. Talk sooner. Okay. Bye.
As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Erin up in Ontario, Canada. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. That is all for episode number 67. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.